0: Welcome to Sulphur Springs Baptist Church Sermon Audio. For more information, please visit our website at sulphurspringsbc.com. Next year, uh, Lord willing, and so we'll just continue to pray for that. I started a message last week called Planting and Harvesting, and uh, as I began praying through that, the Lord continued to give me thoughts this week, and so, Mark looked at the notes this morning and said, Pastor James, you, uh, you wrote a book for us, and uh, I may fall asleep about halfway through. So, hopefully, you don't fall asleep. Hopefully, you don't tune me out. Uh, I'm not going to be long, I don't think. I know that you look at your notes and you say, Wow, there's a lot of blanks there. There's a lot of words there. Uh, but they're simple principles. They're simple things that I think can help us this morning as a church, as a group of people who want to serve and love God. And so, Uh, We're going to go to Galatians chapter 6, where we were at last week, and we're going to read verses 7 through 10 and continue this thought of planting and harvesting. And so if you have your Bible and you have your place there, we're going to stand in honor of God's word, and we're going to read Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. The Bible says this, be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh, shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth of the Spirit, shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for allowing us to be able to sing this morning and be able to worship you as there's churches right now that are being faced with fines and charges all across the country for worshiping your name this morning. Lord, I just thank you for the freedom that we have. Pray that you'll help us as we look at this word, look at this message, that it'll touch our heart, that it'll help us to understand the importance of planting and ultimately what we see in harvesting. Thank you, Father, for what you've done. In your name we pray. Amen. So as we talked last week, uh, there were a couple of laws that we gave to harvesting, and then we gave some application to that. We talked about, are we worshiping, and are we working, or are we walking for the Lord? Um, and so today, I want to sort of switch gears a little bit, and we're going to look at areas that we plant to as Christians. What are some things that we do as planting? Uh, and we're going to look, actually, in Galatians, we're going to go back a cha- uh, one chapter to verses 19 through 21 I'm going to read it real quick it says this now the works of the flesh are manifest which are these adultery fornication uncleanness lasciviousness idolatry witchcraft hatred variance emulations wrath strife seditions heresies envy and murder drunkenness raveling and such like of the which I tell you before as I've also been to you in the times past that they were which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God And then it translates here into verse 22 and it says, but the fruit of the spirit, so we're talking about harvesting, we're talking about fruit is this, love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith, meekness, temperance, and against such there is no law. And so as we look at those verses and as we think of that this morning about planting and about harvesting, I wrote this down. If I plant obedience to God's word, I will harvest blessings. If I plant disobedience towards God's word, then I will harvest judgment. And so when we look at what are we planting, what are areas in our life that we are investing in? Because we're all investing in something, okay? If you're investing in the stock market, if you're investing in retail property, if you're investing in a business, we're all investing in something in our life. So we must look at the spiritual side of that and say, okay, what am I investing in spiritually? And so I went through and I found 10 principles throughout scripture that we can consider as we plant 10 simple things. I'm not going to take a lot of time on each of these, just sort of going to give them, read the scripture, give a brief statement and continue to move on. Uh, so track with me quickly this morning, 10 specific areas to consider as we plant. The first is this, the law about scripture the law about scripture where is the value of scripture in your life the bible says in first peter 2:2, like newborn babes longing for the pure milk of the word we've all been around babies right no one gives a baby a t-bone steak right okay you give a baby milk and as the baby grows it goes from milk to oatmeal, and from oatmeal to cereal, and from cereal to hard food, and from hard food to steaks. It's a progress. It's a progression there. It's not overnight. And so the Bible says here, as newborn babes, longing for the milk of the word, so that us may grow in the respect of salvation. We may grow in the same way. We must grow in scripture. So I want to ask us this morning, are we planting scripture in our life? Is scripture important that we're quoting it, that we're saying it, that when things come up, we're able to run to scripture. It's so encouraging. Our, our kids go to, to Millersville and, and, you know, I, I want to invest scripture in our kids, but it's, it's so encouraging when Brody will come home from school or when Jade will come home from daycare and they'll already be quoted, quoting scripture. My kids this week, Jade can't stop singing the verse Galatians 5, through 23. But the fruit of the spirit's not a what, Jade? She's going to be shy now. It's not a coconut, okay? And she's been singing that all week. The fruit of the spirit is not a coconut. Fruit of, not a coconut. fruit of the spirit's not a coconut. The fruit of the spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, generous. There's a song that goes with it. And so my kids are investing in scripture and we ourselves must not just stop there. We must continue to invest in scripture. We must continue to grow in the word of God. Not just reading it, but it turns into a time of studying it and digesting it and eating it. And loving the word of God. The second law was this: the law about worship. The law about worship. Exodus 20, three through five. It may sound familiar to you. It's the Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses and He gave to His children. And it says this: You shall not have no other gods before Me. Shall not make of Me of your. You shall not make for yourselves a carved image or any likeness of anything that there is in heaven above or that is earth beneath. Or that is the water under our you shall not bow down to them or serve them. What are we worshiping this morning? What are we putting in our life that we're worshiping? There's a song that I was introduced to probably seven years ago. It was this. It was, uh, I wrote it down. Anything that I put before my God is an idol. Anything that I put before my God is an idol. Anything that I think of more is an idol. Anything that I spend time and money on is an idol. And the Bible says here that we should not put anything, other, whether it be of heaven or on earth or under the earth, as an idol. What is it that we're worshiping? What is it that we're spending the majority of our time doing? Because that's ultimately what we're worshiping. Let's look at this third law here. The law about parenting. The law about parenting. Proverbs 19, verse 18. It says this. Discipline your son, for there is hope. Discipline your son, for there is hope. So there's a law here about parenting. There is a responsibility that God has given us as parents to say we must raise them right. And as we go through these laws, you're going to think to yourself, you know, that law doesn't really apply to me. I'm a middle schooler. I'm a high schooler. I'm not a parent. Okay. We're going to talk about marriage in just a minute. Maybe you're not married in here. Okay. But one day you may be to this point where you're going to need these thoughts, these truths in your life. And so when it comes to parenting, God says, I'm going to give you an amazing responsibility to raise the next generation. How are we taking that law and applying it into our life? What are we doing and what are we planting in this seed of parenting to invest in the next generation? Because ultimately we should raise them to want to glorify God in everything they're doing. Number four, the law about marriage. The law about marriage. And there's tons of scripture on marriage. I just picked two of them out here. The first one is in Ephesians chapter 5. You can look at it. It's just a couple pages over. I'm just going to read it for you. Verse 33. It says, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and love his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Verse, First Peter chapter 3 verse 1 says, in the same way, it's talking about husbands first, in the same way you wives be submissive unto your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, that they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. So it's given this awesome job here. I, I like first Peter a lot because the wives... Do such an integral part of raising the family and raising the home I would dare say that most of you we can do a poll. How many of you in here Have come to the lord because of a mom in your life. Raise your hand My hands up because my mom was integral in making and allowing me to become a christian And so the majority of your hands if you know jesus your moms were part of that And it says here that the moms the wives could win their husbands over because of their behavior. Because of how they are living their life and affecting everyone else around them. Their husbands, their children, and their wives are so important. And so it gives this hard word, this word that has been beat up so many times in my life, this word submission or submissiveness or to submit. To be placed under or to submit your will to someone else's. And when I thought of that, and I began studying these out, I began thinking, yes, we we preach submit, we preach submit wives submit. It's a hard word. But when I began to study this week on husbands, there's even a greater S word that's given to husbands. And this is what it is. It says in verse Ephesians chapter 5 it says husbands let each one of you love his wife as himself, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Husbands, we should be sacrificing for our wives. Yes, we want our wives to submit, but are we sacrificing for our wives to submit to us? Because that's even a greater term than just submitting. Submitting's easy. Letting someone else have control is easy, but God says in marriage we must sacrifice as a husband. And it worked on me a lot this week as I began praying and studying that. So look at this fifth law, the law about work. And I think this can apply to most everybody in here. Uh, We're going to start going into some specifics for everyone now. We went some specifics for each person there. Now this is really for everyone here. Verse 5, the law about work. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. What is our work ethic? Are we planting seeds of work ethic? Are people looking at you and saying, why are you so dedicated to your job? Everyone else I hire, dreads coming to work, dreads doing this, Dred's doing that, but every time I ask you, you're willing to do it. Our work can be an example for Christ. And when we work unto him, we're working to be a witness for him. And so when we are living our life and when we're working, whatever the job may be, whether it's mowing a yard, whether it's working in a cafeteria, whether it's teaching, whether it's uh, a CEO of a company, no matter what it is, are we having a work ethic that's honoring to Christ? Are we planting those seeds? Let's look at the sixth law that I wrote down and I found the law of materialism. First Timothy 6.10 says this, for the love of money is the root of all evil for which some reaching after have been led astray from the faith and having pierced themselves through with many sorrows. What in materialism are we investing in? The Bible says here that the love of money, not money, but the love of money, wanting to have more produces, is the root or produces all kinds of evil. So examine your life. Look at your life and say, where are we planting in our life look at the seventh one here the law about speech Ephesians 4:29 4, says this let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth but only such as good for the building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear what is our speech are we building up the ones that need to be built up are we giving grace to the ones that need to be having grace given to because this is hard, church. Our speech is tough. It's hard to encourage when we're not encouraging. When we're not feeling encouraged in our life, how can you encourage someone else? How are you going to give grace to someone when no one gave you grace? It's hard with our speech. But the Bible says that when we do that, we're going to give grace to those who hears. Let's look at number eight. The law about conflict. Matthew 8 15 it says if your brother sins against you go and tell him his fault between you and him alone and if he listens you have gained a brother we're going to go through conflict church we're going to go through times where me and my sister even just the other day she's probably not watching my my old my not my oldest sister but my second sister we had a conflict we had a problem and she even made the statement and she's watching this I'm sorry Stephanie but she made the statement she said i can't claim you as a brother and i thought she was joking i sort of joked back and i laughed and my wife came home and she said your sister wasn't joking i was like ah nah, she's just joking it's no big deal she's like no you, you need to call your sister she's mad she's upset so i called her and she was like yeah james i'm really upset by what you said my speech didn't give grace and ultimately that speech that didn't give grace led to a conflict now she's fine and we're fine and we love each other and she she says i forgive you and and there's some things that, that we need to work on as brothers and sisters but i took this principle and i said is there a fault between us i'm going to go to them I, I didn't go to my other brother and say can you believe stephanie did this can you i didn't go to lucas and say lucas you, hey, man, can you believe my sister no i went to her because the bible says to go to her and if i do that i'm going to gain someone back So when our, ultimately these last four sort of go together, our speech can sometimes lead to conflict, which can sometimes lead to number nine, the law about forgiveness. The law about forgiveness. Colossians 3.13 says this, bearing with one another, and if one of you has a complaint against each other, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive. There's forgiveness that's in our life. God has given us forgiveness. And so therefore we must be forgiveness bearers. We must give forgiveness to people. We cannot hold this bitterness in our life. We've got to give forgiveness because sometimes conflict comes to a point where we have to say, okay, I'm going to forgive you. You got to forgive me because Christ has forgiven both of us. So ask yourself in your life, are you giving that forgiveness? And then ultimately, we're going to leave this last point before we get into the laws of harvest and we conclude this message. But the law about salvation. The law about salvation. If you have time, if you would flip over with me to 1 John 5, verse 11 and 12. I study from different versions of Scripture, from the ESV to the MEV to the King James. I like using a wide variety of study Scripture. And when I studied this verse out this verse here, I believe in the King James gives it the best way. And I I may be wrong. I'm just one guy. But when I read this verse, I'm not very educated. I'm from the South. I'm from North Carolina. I went to college. I know some things. Okay. But I'm not the brightest book on the shelf. I'm not the guy that's going to win the, the, the GPA of a 4.0 perfect GPA. I'm not that guy. But I do know basic, basic English, not advanced English, not when I'm going to these contra- the compounds and different things. And my wife and Jessica and some of these other English ladies, they get onto me all the time because I make mistakes on my slides and I make mistakes on my notes. But when I read this verse and I read it in the King James, it says it so plainly. It says this in verse 11 and 12, it says, and this is the record that God had given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. And then, verse 12, the verse I'm talking about He that hath the son hath life. And he that hath not the son of God hath not life. Now, we've probably heard that verse before. But when I begin reading that verse, I begin thinking every word in that verse in verse 12 is one syllable He that hath the son hath life. And he that hath not the Son hath not life. There's not a word in that verse that's more than one syllable. A first grader, a kindergartner that can understand words can understand that verse. Because it's so plain and it's so simple to say, are we looking and planting salvation in our lives and into other people's lives? Because ultimately that's what this planting is all about. Is are we planting into other people so that we can eventually see Harvest. And so as we look at that, we're going to go to the law of harvesting. And very quickly, I'm not going to spend a lot of time, just going to look at a couple of things here. We'll review from last week the first three things here the laws of harvest. The first is we harvest only what we have been planted, we harvest the same kind that we've planted, and then we harvest in a different season than we plant in. And so by looking at this verse back in Galatians, as we go back to that, we're going to look at four more harvesting principles from this text and the bible says this uh the next point i'm sorry says this we harvest more than we plant we harvest more than we plant every good crop harvester knows that and i said this last week that when we plant one seed we're going to get multiple in return in mark chapter 4 the bible says that jesus has given a parable and he says to them that when you reap You are going to sow, some of you, 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Now, during this time of the the scripture when Jesus was given this, a good yield would be six times. If you plant a seed and you get six times, that's a good yield. A great yield for this time would be eight times. So if someone were to plant one seed and they got eight in return, that would be a great yield for them. So for Jesus to come in and for him to say in Mark chapter 4 that if you sow your seed, you are going to reap 30 times, 60 times, and some of you a 100 times what you plant. It was like a mind-blowing statement in the minds of the disciples. They could not fathom reaping 50, 30, 60, and 100 times something. But Jesus is saying that when you plant things you will harvest them and you will harvest more than you've ever planted God's account in heaven doesn't match our account here on earth the math doesn't add up it never will but God says when you plant you will harvest more than what you plant so I want you to think of these 10 planting principles scripture worship parenting marriage work materialism speech conflict forgiveness salvation And as we look at these, think about this, look at the harvest we're going to get when we plant the scripture in a young child's life. Look at the harvest that we're going to get when we begin to worship. Look at the harvest that we're going to get if God says we're going to get a hundredfold and our speech is giving grace, it's going to give grace a hundredfold back to us. And so we've got to think about this when we say that we are going to harvest more than we plant, God says that his account is different than our account. Look at verse number 5. Look at this number 5 here. We harvest in proportion to as we plant. We harvest in proportion as we plant. I did a just a little study this week on this and I wanted to see how many times pre-covid, okay, everything has to be pre-covid when it's stats because covid stats throw everything off. Um, But pre-COVID, before you, December, January, when COVID was big, the average number of people that you came in contact with on a daily basis was 18. So I want you to think about that. 18 people you came in contact with as a person that you were planting seeds into. And so when you begin to put seeds into people, when you began to invest in those 18 people, how many of those 18 people did you walk by and not say a thing to? Maybe been a coworker, Could have been someone at Walmart, the cashier that's checking you out where you just said, hey, and bye. But the average person comes in contact with 18 different people. The thing I wrote down was hard work leads to good results. Think of the people around you that you're investing in and that, that have invested in you. And ultimately, the, the seeds that they planted in you have blossomed. And the seeds that are invested in other people, are they blossoming? I began to think about this not only as the people that that we invest in, but it says that we harvest in proportion to as we plant. And as a youth pastor, as someone who's worked with teenagers for a little over 10 years in a professional base and into college was four years, so you can look at about 14 years of investing in young people, I began to see a child and a young person in middle school and high school, and they began making three and four bad decisions. And as a, as a youth pastor and as someone who has been in life a little bit of time, I began to say, stop, stop making those bad decisions because those bad decisions you're going to harvest down the road. And all of a sudden they get to the six and eight decisions and they've made so many bad choices and so many bad decisions that they're going to reap a bad harvest. That's why I'm so passionate about taking our young people to camp and doing things for our young people because I want them to see the value of making good decisions. That's why those those ones we went, when we were down there, I, I told Brother Eric, the pastor there, I said, Hey, can we just have a couple hours of your time just so you can sit down and just talk to our young people? And he's not a youth pastor. He was a youth pastor for a couple of years, but he sat down and he began to tell them, I've been here 28 years, I think, as a senior pastor. I started this church, and, and he said, a lot of pastors, they have hobbies. He made this statement, and I told Allie when I went home, I said, I said, it just really helped me out as a pastor because I don't have a lot of hobbies outside of the church. I like to golf. I like to do some things, but I'm not at the golf course every Friday, okay? I'm not around those th- fun things all the time. And he made this statement. He said, my hobby is people. He said, I love investing and working with people. He said, so coming and hanging out here at 11 o'clock at night and just talking with you guys is my hobby. I love it. And I began thinking in my life, would I be able to say that my hobby is people, that my hobby is wanting to invest and pour my life into people that are around me? Because ultimately we're going to harvest the proportion to what we plant. Let's look at number six and we'll close this up real quickly here. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, it says this. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Verse 9, it says that, and the sixth principle that we have here of the laws of harvesting is this. We harvest the crop of good only if we persevere. Only if we persevere, it says that the ones that don't give up are the ones that reap the harvest. We will reap if we do not give up. You do not, I I began thinking about this as I began to think about planting and harvesting. How many of you go out and you plant weeds? None of us plant weeds in your garden? Okay, how many of you does it, how easy does it take for a weed to sprout up in your garden? It's pretty easy, right? Okay, you don't have to do anything in your life in gardening for a weed to come up. All you have to do is neglect it and weeds will come up. And so in our life, are we neglecting the things in our life? Are we neglecting our marriage? Are we neglecting our kids? Are we neglecting our relationships that ultimately those weeds will come? I wrote this down. Evil comes to harvest on its own. Evil will come to harvest on its own. We don't have to do anything for evil to come to harvest. But we must not grow weary in our ministry. In whatever your ministry may be. It may be in parenting. It may be in marriage. It may be just in forgiveness. Your ministry may be a ministry of forgiveness. We must not grow weary. I'm glad. I'm so thankful in my life. That I had a Sunday school teacher who invested in me. Who didn't give up. On a snotty nosed brat. Redheaded fireball kid like myself. I'm glad that they didn't give up on me. And sometimes I begin to think of my life and I begin to think of the ones that maybe I gave up on. And I begin to to think through the ones that maybe I didn't give enough time to. And I didn't harvest, I didn't plant enough into them and I didn't persevere in their life. God says that we will only reap if we don't give up. You know what? What let's let's think this for an illustration here. What if tomorrow, Monday, which is the what the seventeenth, if I said to Allison, you know what, Allie, I'm going to be gone for a week. Don't call me. Don't text me. I don't want you to know where I'm going to be. I'm just going to be gone for a week. You're not going to know where I'm at. I'm just going to be absent from my marriage for a week. I think there would be some problems in my marriage when I came back from that week. My wife is shaking her head yes right now. So I am agreeing to that statement. She is agreeing to that statement as well. And let's think of it like this. What if I came home tomorrow and I said, Brody and Jade, I'm tired of being a parent. I'm tired of having to tell y'all to obey. I'm tired of giving you spankings. I'm tired, just do whatever you want for the next month. If you want to stay up till... One, two o'clock in the morning, stay up till one, two o'clock in the morning. I'm not going to discipline you. I'm not going to do anything. Now, you're all looking at me, you're thinking, that would be crazy, Pastor James. No parent would do that. But how often do we do that in our spiritual life? Where we say, you know what, I haven't really talked to God in about a month. I haven't really talked to God in about a week. And we think that things are going to go well when we are not staying true and we are not Or we are giving up on those things. And so we harvest the crop of only those of the good, of only if we persevere. And the last one is this. This is the encouraging part of our message because it helps us to be encouraged a little bit. It says this, there is nothing that we can do about last year's harvest, but we can do something about this year's harvest. There is nothing that we can do about last year's harvest, but we can do something about this year's harvest. We have all planted some things that we regret planting in our life. I would be number one in here to say I have done some bad things in my life. Some stupid things in my life. That if I could go back I would not do them again. But we all can start planning good things on top of those bad decisions today. We don't have to be stuck with the decisions that we've made. Because we can invest good on top of those bad. Sometimes we must plant good choices on top of the bad choices and ultimately those good choices are going to be the ones that we may reap some of those bad things but if we plant enough good on top of those bad I think we will see a difference in our life and so in conclusion if our musicians come and they can start playing I want to ask us sort of this question where do we go from here in our life we've talked about the last two weeks of laws of harvesting and these laws of planting and and we've we've sort of looked at a lot of different scripture today normally I wouldn't look at 10 or 12 different passages of scripture I would stay in one spot but I felt that I couldn't do justice by not going to those different passages and, and helping us understand the value of planting in those areas and so the first question I want you to think to yourself today is what are you planting this morning What are you planting this morning? God has told us plainly. I went through 10 different passages of scripture what we should plant scripture, worship, parenting, marriage, work, materialism, speech, conflict, forgiveness, and salvation. Are we planting those things? Or ultimately, if we're not planting those, we're planting the flesh, we're planting our own desires. And God says, I want you to plant the right things and I've given you these commands and I've given you these thoughts And if we don't listen to them, then we begin to just plant of ourself The second question is this How's our harvest doing? If you're 30, 40, 50 years old in here You will have seen some of those Seeds that you planted 10 or 15 years ago come to fruition So the question I ask is how is your harvest And are we seeing a harvest at all? Is your harvest good or is your harvest bad? And ultimately, we must ask ourselves are we seeing a harvest of people coming to know Jesus? Are we seeing the ones around us accepting Jesus and wanting to come forward and wanting to say, Yes, I want to see Jesus in my life? Or are we just harvesting the things of the flesh? We always have a way to go forward. Church, let's not be stuck where we're at. Let's look forward and let's say, I want to go forward. I want to see God move my life. I don't want to be stuck where I'm at. Because if we're stuck where we're at, the weeds will come up. The weeds will choke out your plants and you will have no harvest. So I want you to ask yourself those questions. And as Mark comes and sings, the altars are open. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Lord, help us this morning to look to you. And I thank you for what you.